Hey there, I am Anna Michelle Gomo and you are welcome to the podcast. This is a safe space where I get to talk about God and how we can build our relationship with Him. On each episode, we'll be diving below the surface of the Bible to encounter God and grow. Currently, we are on a 365-day Bible challenge and it has been fantastic so far. And so I invite you to join us today because God has a word for you, but it is up to you to listen. So please stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today is day 110 of our Bible in Your Challenge. And I am so, so glad that you could make it up until this episode. Today we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 17, the chapter that describes the story of David versus Goliath. And this is one of the most popular stories of the Bible because of how amazing and awesome it is. You know, like you have this young teenage boy, they're about battling this Goliath, this giant that has so much experience in war. And then the unexpected happens, like the teenager overcomes and defeats the giant. Like, what are the odds? You know, so this battle just clearly points to one thing. Like, there are so many things we can take out from the story as we would be seeing in this episode. But everything points out to this one thing, that God is actively involved in the life of people who entrusted to him. In the lives of people that entrust their lives to God, God is actively involved. That is one major lesson that we can get from the story, that God is actively involved in the lives of those who entrusted to him. Anyways, let's start from the beginning. So you have David um, who was consecrated and anointed as a future king to be succeeding King Saul by Samuel. Note that this um consecration this anointing of David by Samuel was done very low-key so it wasn't like a public thing because Samuel was actually afraid of what King Saul was going to do to him if he found out that he was anointing another person to succeed him as king and I mean it, it was literally written like that in the last episode in last readings and so it was done low-key I don't think so many people knew about it it probably except David's family and But we were told that when he was anointed, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And this totally explains the courage that David had, you know. So he was caring for his father's sheep. His father told him to go and meet his brothers, three of his elder brothers who were in the army and about to get ready for battle. Just get this food to them, find out word if they're okay, they're safe, and come back home. And then David goes there, meets his brothers, and it is exactly at that time that Goliath comes out to continue this arrogant chant about how he's going to defeat the Israelites and how he's going to make a mockery of them, raining curses upon them, how he's going to destroy them. Goliath is so um, assured and confident in his experience as a warrior and also in his size and that he tells him, you know what, we don't even have to do this army versus army. You, numerous people don't have to die. You know, just choose one person from your entire army to come and fight me. And then whoever wins gets to be the victor of the battle. And then David comes at this exact time. And then he hears what Goliath is saying. And then 
we see that David's reaction to this is just like 360 or sorry, 180 in a completely opposite direction. It's 180 from what you would expect. You would expect that David being this young teenager hearing this chant from this warrior, this opponent would kind of incite fear into him. I don't, I don't know, but first thing that I think David would have done if like if he was a normal teenage boy is that he would have probably run back to his father to tell his father that, you know what, let's pack ourselves, get out of here because the Philistines are going to defeat us. Like there is no even there's no explanation. They're definitely going to kill us. They have a giant on their team. I'm pretty sure we're going to lose our three other brothers, our three sons. And so we just we need to get out of here. But then David's reaction to that is the entire opposite. He he has this anger he has this holy anger in quotes because the next thing we would see is that david goes to king saul or he is taken to king saul ward gets to king saul that you have this young teenage boy that is so confident that he's going to battle this giant and win and saul asks that david be brought to him and then david comes before king saul and says the same thing that okay you do not have to worry you do not have to bother you do not have to doubt that God is going to give this giant into our hand. Like, just imagine that scenario for a second. You have this small boy, this small teenage shepherd boy, telling the king, King Saul, who had won numerous battles before, who was a foot and a shoulder taller than everyone else, this experienced king, telling him not to worry, that they are going to win this battle. Like, that That just shows that confidence that couldn't have come from any other source than the Holy Spirit. And so let us put that in mind um, through this reading that the Holy Spirit gives us the courage and give us the bravery to do things that we would not ordinarily be able to do by ourselves. We see the work of the Holy Spirit also in the lives of the apostles, right after Jesus um, is captured and is killed. And Jesus tells them, do not leave the city until the gift, the Holy Spirit, comes to you for obvious reasons, because they were even scared. I'm pretty sure even though Jesus did not tell them not to leave the city, they were probably going to leave the city because they were so um, filled with fear about what the Pharisees were going to do to them next. And then we see that the Holy Spirit descends upon them in the upper room with all the doors locked. And right after that, they have the bravery and the audacity to go out and talk and preach about the same man that was just killed. Like that kind of bravery and confidence is not something that is logical or understandable. And that is what the Holy Spirit brings. And so today, let's just add that to our prayer that the Holy Spirit um, comes and lives in us as his temple and give us bravery and courage to speak for him, to stand up for God and to stand up for our faith. And this brings me to the next point, that the reason why David was so filled with that anger, filled with that zeal to kill Goliath, wasn't because he was trying to gain popularity for himself. I I don't think it was because he was trying to win the prize. You know, um, um, David's brothers tell him that Saul has promised that whoever is able to kill his giant would be rewarded so greatly and would also get to marry one of King King Saul's daughters. And so, but I I don't think that... David's goal was because he wanted to be rich or marry King Saul's daughters. The thing that ignited David to go to battle with Goliath was because he had heard 
Goliath profaning the name of God. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Like that, that just shows that 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 was the main tick that <laughs> David, like of all the things that Goliath has said, nothing ticked him than when Goliath mocked God. And we'll see this again when um, David comes to battle, comes face to face with Goliath and tells him, you come with me, you come against me with swords and spears and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts of the armies of Israel. The same name that you profane, the same name that you curse, the same name that you mock, I am going to come against you with that same name. And I'm going to prove to you that there is power in that name by defeating you, which is essentially what happened. And so we see that David's zeal was ignited, not because of his personal desires, not because of his selfish desires for popularity or fame or riches, but because of his love for the name of the Lord. And this takes me also to the next point that David understood what God was trying to tell and teach the Israelites all this while, right from the point they left Egypt, which is, you do not have to fear, you do not have to be afraid, because your enemies are your enemies, right? But you are not going to be fighting against them. You're not going to have to battle against them. I am the one that is fighting for you. God's word said that all you need to do is keep still, just be still, and let me fight for you. God proved this to the Israelites when he sent the plagues down on the Egyptians. I am the one fighting for you, not you fighting for yourself. God also proved this to them when he divided the Red Sea and he saw them. He made the Israelites watch their enemies drown. Out of that was that had nothing to do with them. They had no military power, they had no experience. Yet God made them defeat such a powerful nation as egypt and all through their walk through the desert down to when they got to the promised land down to where they had to fight the enemies surrounding them god was always trying to tell and teach these people that my presence my authority my power is all you need to defeat your enemies and then in today's readings we see that these people still don't get that you know they see this huge man this giant and they get scared they get afraid because they feel like they're not up to the standard. They're not up to Goliath's experience or his size, which is true. Like they're not, they're not physically. They are nowhere near to Goliath's size or his experience, but they were looking at it from the wrong point of view. They were looking at the battle as being them against the Philistines. But God was trying to tell them or was always trying to teach them that it was a battle of God himself against the Philistines. But this is what David understood because he knew that physically he was no match for Goliath. Experience-wise, he was no match for Goliath. But what made him firmly believe that he was going to defeat Goliath was because he recognized that God's presence with him was all he needed to win the battle. And I don't know who's listening on the other side. I just want to tell you and encourage you today that God's presence with you is all you need to defeat the giant in your life. We are definitely going through one of the toughest periods of our lives. Like so many things is wrong 
in different parts of the world i feel like every country is having it this time around it's not just one country going to war and then you have the other country like being at peace like every country has that one problem they're battling with and as much as we're battling our problems country-wise we also have like fiscal sorry personal problems that we're also battling with it might be your marriage it might be health it might be finances it might be your career it might be emotional wise i just want to encourage you today not to look at those problems as you versus those problems because logically you're no match for your problems but i want you to see it as god sees it it is a battle against god and your problems and i need you to trust in his name just like david did and don't come against your problems by your own will or by your own power or your own strength come against your problems in the name of the lord of the armies of israel which is of the armies of your life because we we are the new israel so so that is one thing i hope that we can get from today's readings another thing that i would like to talk about is that god doesn't deal with physical looks you know when um samuel was um consecrating David when he was sent to go to the house of jesse to consecrate the next king and then samuel first of all sees the first son which is Eliab, and he looks he looks pretty much like king saul he is tall he is handsome he has that kingly appearance but then god tells samuel no i i don't care about their physical looks you know i i don't care because I'm not like man, I'm not like you guys. I don't look at the physical appearance. I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. I look in towards the heart. And so God doesn't deal with physical appearances. And so today, to the Philistines and probably to the Israelites as well, when they saw David versus Goliath, it, it probably seemed like th- this young boy was probably drunk. He had probably had a lot to drink the, the night before. Because it, it just seemed quite impossible. But God doesn't deal with physical looks. Saul had the looks. Saul had the height. He had the size. He had the experience. But even King Saul was no match for Goliath because he, he knew that. King Saul knew that logically. He knew that he, he was no match for Goliath. But David, who looked the entire opposite to what a true warrior was supposed to look like, realized that God was all he needed to win this battle. And God used him to prove the power in his name once again. So God doesn't deal with physical looks or outward appearances. Another thing to note is that David has been preparing for this moment all his life. So it wasn't just a case of, okay, he took the opportunity when he presented itself. He just, you know, went for it. From what David told King Saul, he had been preparing for this all his life. He tells King Saul, you know what? I know I'm just a shepherd boy. I know you, there, there probably might not be enough reasons to believe or to think that I would defeat this Goliath man. But know that while I was out in the fields with the sheep, I wasn't just out there playing the lyre and just lazing it up about. But I have fought lions and bears and I have won. I have killed them. I have killed lions and bears that come to attack my sheep and I have And so we recognize that even while David was doing the littlest things, the daily routines as fending for his father's sheep, even while he was just going about his day, just living like any ordinary Israelite teenager, God was preparing him for this very moment. 
And David makes this powerful proclamation. I always use this to pray every single time. He said, the Lord that gave the lion and the bear to my hands will also give Goliath to my hands. And so we see that comparison between what David does as a daily routine to this life-changing moment. And so I don't know what your daily routine might look like. Sometimes we feel like we're not doing enough to be good Christians. We're not doing enough to be powerful evangelists. I don't know if you guys feel like that. I feel like that sometimes. Like when I was a lot younger and I read about saints, I read about how they lived their lives for God, how they preached and numerous people converted, how they were martyred, how they still persisted even through the pain and the torture of death. Those kind of stories like really got to me. And I found myself thinking, these are the people that get to go to heaven, right? And I want to be a saint because I want to go to heaven. But my life doesn't match up with theirs. You know, I, I don't think I have preached and have like millions of people convert. I don't think I would be strong enough to be able to withstand torture and death. So that kind of brought me down because I feel like I should be doing more things. I should be, I don't know what I should be doing. I, <laughs> I didn't know what I should be doing. I just feel like my life should be looking a lot different if I want to get to heaven or be a saint. But this taught me that even in the daily routines, even in the things that we see as normal or as not heroic enough, even in those things, God is preparing us for that moment. Every single experience that we've had, even our sins, even our addictions, even our downsides, even at at, at our lowest points, every single experience that we've had is preparing us for that moment i don't know what that moment and probably that moment looks different for each and every one of us but everything that we've experienced and we've gone through is preparing us for that singular moment where we get to be the instrument that god uses to show his glory and to prove his power on earth and so don't look at your daily routines as useless or as meaningless or as lazy about probably except you're actually lazing about, <laughs> you know. But what I'm saying in essence is that take your experiences and your daily lives as little tests that you need to pass that is helping you to build your strengths and to build your faith in God so that when you get to that moment that you are needed to prove and to defend God's name, you would be ready. Even when, when Samuel went to... um the house of Jesse to anoint the next king. We we're told that David wasn't even present because Samuel went through all the seven sons of Jesse. David was the last, he was the eighth son, and he wasn't even present in the house. He was in the fields. And then Samuel had to tell Jesse, go and get someone to call David because we're not going to sit down, we're not going to eat until David gets here, until I get to see David and get to anoint him as king. And so this just speaks volumes about the fact that where you are currently in your life is where God needs you, is where God wants you to be. Sometimes we feel like we're not where we are in life. Like life is moving too fast and we're too slow paced. Like everyone around that age is getting a job or is getting a house. Or I mean, those are like the material things. Let's even look at the spiritual things. Like sometimes we feel like people my age are having like what millions of followers on TikTok getting to talk about God on such a big platform. People my age are like hosting numerous podcasts 
are like being invited on other podcasts and getting to talk about God. People my age are baptizing other people. They are so open about their faith and people are turning to God because of them. They have like what thousands of followers on Instagram. And then we compare that to where we are. And sometimes that discourages us because we feel like we're not doing enough. We're not doing enough good for God. Well, let me t- let me break it to you that you are where you exactly need to be. When you accept God's will for your life, that is that only happens when you totally hand off all control to god i'm just going to put that disclaimer out there when you surrender your life to god and when you tell god that you accept his will for your life you are exactly where you need to be david did not need to be in the military training academy he did not need to be in his father's house to be consecrated as king to be seen as the as the man that defeats goliath he was where he exactly needed to be he was in the field protecting or taking care of his father's sheep and then he was also sent by his father to give his brothers food none of those instances match to the goal you know david being um as the shepherd being the youngest sent to take care of his father's sheep did not match with him being anointed as king of israel and david being sent to his brothers to take food did not match as him being the one to kill Goliath. None of those things matched, but he was exactly where he needed to be. And even at that, even when he was in the opposite location to where the action was happening, he was still called. There was just a way. God found a way to bring him to the location where he would be anointed as king and where he would be seen as the guy that kills Goliath. And so that just speaks volumes about the fact that we should trust God even in our personal journey, even when it feels like things are just so slow-paced and we're like backwards, like everything is moving forward, everything is going so fast, we feel like we're just lagging behind, trust God. Because whatever God allows or approves in your life, He approves for a reason. One thing I've learned about God is that He is not a God of coincidences. He doesn't deal with coincidences. He doesn't deal with mishaps. Every single thing that happens and occurs in your life, especially when you surrender it to God, is done on purpose. And we have to trust that. We have to trust His will and we have to trust His plan for our lives. So just to summarize what I just said and discussed about the story of David versus Goliath, number one, God's presence is all we need to defeat the giant in our lives. Number two, let us ask the Holy Spirit for his courage, for his bravery, because that is the only thing that we need to be um, strong enough and willed enough to face our giants and to face our obstacles. Number three, we are exactly where we need to be as children of God. Your life is not slow-paced. You're not lagging behind. Everything that is happening to you up until this point is building you up for that moment where you get to defend God's name. Just to speak words of hope to us as children of God that in our lives, Jesus has assured us that we are going to have obstacles, we are going to have problems. But he said, do not fear, do not be worried because I have overcome the world. And so let us move on with that trust and with that hope that Jesus 
has overcome the world. You guys, today is also Good Friday. Like, what are the odds? We're talking about a God that does not deal with physical looks. And today being Good Friday, we are celebrating the passion and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. So why is it good? Like, why is such a dark and a day full of pain called good? Well, it's because in this act of Jesus on the cross, we see the goodness of God. We see that transformative power of God once again from turning something that is bad to good. And so when we look upon the cross, we don't, we don't see death. We see life because it was by that action that we were made to be children of God. It was by that action that we had that direct access to God as our father. And I think that is so amazing because the cross is, it, it, it had that stigma of shame and of pain and of condemnation. And so Jesus on the cross during the time where he was crucified, it, it, it had that bad omen you know it, there was nothing to be there was nothing good to associate with jesus on the cross at that time especially for the people that condemned him to die but now as christians we get to have that as a symbol of our faith the crucifix is one of the most if not the most it is the most powerful symbol of our faith because that is the main reason why we have hope that we are going to be saved at the end of our lives. And once again, we see God that does not deal with outward appearance. Jesus on Palm Sunday comes to Jerusalem on a donkey. This is the exact opposite from what the Israelites thought the Messiah was going to look like. The Messiah was supposed to be crowned with splendor, probably had the crown on his head, riding on a horse, going to battle against the Romans so that they could finally be free. But then they see Jesus riding on a donkey, which signified peace. The Messiah, they thought in their head, was supposed to wage war against the Romans and free them from their chains. But this Messiah that they saw was weeping and even prophesied that there would come a time where the Romans would utterly destroy Jerusalem. The Messiah, they thought, would be coming, would be one that would have victory over the Romans and kill all of them and wipe them out and make them free nation once again. But the Messiah they saw was one that was killed by the Romans. Jesus on the cross with his bruises and his scars disfigured from the punches and the slaps and the blows, naked, hung and nailed to the cross was the exact opposite picture of what they thought the messiah would look like but even in that god proved once again that he does not deal with outward appearances in that singular action jesus on the cross is the symbol of life it is the symbol of our victory and it is also the symbol of king not just jesus the king of the jews as it was written on the inscription but Jesus, the king of the world, because through his leadership, he serves us and offers himself in atonement for our sins. And that is just so good, which is why we call it Good Friday. So thank God I did not forget to say that to you guys. I hope you have a splendid Good Friday. I hope you find time today to set apart and reflect on the death 
of our Lord Jesus Christ in the hopes that you have better understanding about the resurrection day Easter. And with that being said, I think I can finally round this episode up. Thank you so much for listening this far. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Do not forget to share, leave a review, and subscribe if you haven't. See you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. Please have an amazing day.